This is Live On Purpose Radio, episode 545. My Maasai name is Tireshe. Now is the only time to create and live the life you love. I'm Dr. Paul Jenkins, the positivity psychologist. My job is to connect you to powerful positive psychology principles that immediately upgrade your relationships business, and mental health. Are you ready? Let's jump in. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live On Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live On Purpose Radio. My life has been expanded. Oh, my heavens. I I was just sharing this with some friends and colleagues the other day about the powerful experience that I've had recently in going with my daughter to Kenya for a humanitarian expedition. The, and, and I wanted to share that with you listeners for a couple of reasons today. First of all, let me tell you about the people that we served in Africa. The Maasai people live a very simple existence. They build, they're primarily nomadic still, but they build their homes out of sticks and mud mixed with cow dung. They, they arrange their houses usually in a circle so that it's easier to protect themselves from some of the wildlife that is a real deal in Africa. Lindy and I went on two safaris while we were there. And uh, it's amazing to me. It's things that you only see on National Geographic documentaries on, on the television. Um, amazing. But this is where the Maasai people live. And the Maasai Mara, where we were staying, is the number one safari destination on the planet. So here we are right in the heart of Africa, working with these people who are still practicing traditions that are centuries old. They are somewhat untouched by outside cultures and influences. Uh, that's changing gradually as they have a little more contact with the outside world. But this is the context that I went to Africa. Um, it takes a little bit of preparation uh, to go on a on an expedition like this. And I didn't have any idea how I would do that myself. So I signed up with a group called 100 Humanitarians. You might remember about two episodes ago, I interviewed Heidi Totten who is the founder of 100 Humanitarians. That's 100, the number, humanitarians.org. You can go look them up and see the amazing things that they're doing. I really resonated with the philosophical approach that this particular group was taking because all too often, humanitarian work is not really helpful to the people that we're trying to help. And the reason is if you give someone a handout, sure, that helps them in the moment. But long term, that's not the solution because then they're left looking for the next handout to come. So what I really liked about 100 Humanitarians is their focus on self-reliance and stewardship and creating sustainable solutions to some of the problems that they face with clean water, for example, or sustainable food, 
um, hygiene, education, health, those kinds of things need to be addressed in a way that can be more long lasting. And so I was impressed with what this group was doing. And we did quite a bit of preparation. My daughter had been to Kenya the year before, almost a year exactly to the date that we visited. And she already had some experience. So I relied on her quite a bit too. Well, when we first got there, um, I was struck by a couple of things. Uh, and one of those is that there are animals everywhere. I already mentioned it's the number one safari destination on the planet. But even in the populated areas, there are donkeys and cows and chickens just walking around, goats all over the place. And I think most of these are part of local herds that just wander around or they range in and out of, of where the people are. And it surprised me particularly to see baboons on the side of the road because I just don't, I'll see a cow occasionally living in Utah in the United States. Um, but I have never seen baboons on the side of the road before. So I knew I was in for some cultural experiences. And when you have to slow down for zebras to cross, you know that we're getting serious and in the heart of Africa. Um, I had an idea before I went that I should use my psychological experience to somehow serve these people. Now, we were involved in very specific projects while we were there through 100 humanitarians, but uh, knowing Heidi, the the founder of the program, and one of the board members, Alan Roberts, I talked with them beforehand about ways that I could uniquely contribute with my skill set and with uh, the experience that I have as a professional psychologist. And to their credit, both Heidi and Alan were very, very compassionate and kind with me as they redirected me back to Go over there and learn some things. Let these people teach you. And I'm grateful for that little piece of preparation because when I got on site on the Maasai Mara with the Maasai people, I noticed some things that I probably would have missed if I was only going in thinking, okay, here comes, you know, the Lone Ranger riding in on a white horse to save all you people from your primitive ways. Instead, I was able to go in with some eyes open to the fact that this is a different culture where they have strengths, they have talents, they have abilities. Now, I know this about people, but I at least I was able to go in with a little more conscious awareness of that. As I saw these beautiful, friendly, loving people who are generally very, very happy in their life. In fact, one of the Maasai warriors that we were talking to said, you know, uh, a lot of people in the United States have bad days often. My daughter has taught me that sometimes it's not a bad day. It's a bad five minutes that you milk all day. Just see if that fits anywhere. But this Maasai warrior, he, he was commenting about how we tend to have bad days in America. He said, a bad day here on the Mara is if your little sister is killed by an elephant. And 
it really brought into perspective what we're talking about. Sometimes these people will go for days without a meal. They have to trek for kilometers through dangerous territory filled with wild animals to find water that is dirty. It looks like chocolate milk. And what is it that I'm thinking is giving me a bad day? You know, it was just a perspective check because we get very comfortable in our lives, don't we? And we start to take for granted things that we probably shouldn't take for granted, like clean water or like power. We had a rainstorm. We were there during the rainy season and there was a rainstorm on day one, as soon as we got to the Mara, that took out the power. So we had a generator on site at the guest house, but it was only run during certain hours. We didn't have power for most of the week that we were there. We tend to take these things for granted. And the perspective that that gave me was that I need to be more aware. You know, I recently heard a quote. I can't even remember who it was attributed to, but it said, Those whose eyes are open, those who are awake, should live in a state of constant amazement. And I think that is so true. Because when we really pay attention to what's going on, it's beautiful. It's amazing. And as we were out there on the Mara, I remember getting up every morning with my daughter, and we would go outside and watch the sunrise. Beautiful, beautiful colors as the sun came up over the African savanna. And it's just a real perspective check. You can probably appreciate what I'm talking about because you've had experiences that have given you that kind of perspective. I wanted to share another little perspective thing with you, too, because one of the projects that we were doing was a sustainable, clean water source. In this particular village, the women are the ones that would retrieve the water from the water hole, which was shared by beasts, okay? Dangerous. Cape Buffalo, who, by the way, Cape Buffalo, the most dangerous animal in Africa to humans, other than, you know, other humans. Um, But Cape Buffalo kill more people than any other African animal does. Elephants are right up there on the list. Very dangerous. And they would have to, the women in this village would have to compete with Cape Buffalo and elephants and lions as they went down to the water hole to retrieve water that you cannot even see through. And it was taking up to six hours a day for these women to retrieve their water. Well, one of the projects that 100 Humanitarians has been involved with involved protecting a spring that was about 13 kilometers away. It's not nearby, uh, but they protected it with some concrete forms and and some coverings that um, make this spring a more viable long-term source of water and then installed piping from the spring to this village where there is now a water kiosk. It's like a little shed, but it's got water spigots out the front, and there's a computer interface there where people in the village can purchase 
for $1 a month. It's the equivalent of $1 a month in their local currency, which some families can't afford, by the way. But this $1 a month gets them a little computer computerized. It's like those key fobs that you use on uh, electronic door locks. And that key fob will turn on the water. They fill up their containers. And for a dollar a month, they can have up to like 1,100 liters of water clean, delivered right to their village. This is a game changer. What happens in any community when we give six hours back to the women of the community? Amazing. And now they have clean water. So that impacts health and it impacts their ability to grow their garden towers and everything else. So very impressive. Well, we were there for the ribbon cutting ceremony for this new water kiosk. And uh, as we were there preparing for the actual ribbon cutting, they, they had brought the whole community together, dressed in their beautiful, colorful uh, shukas and other uh, bead, beads and garments that are just beautiful. And they were singing and dancing and celebrating the opening of this kiosk. Well, at one point, the pastor of this local community got up to share some words. And through an interpreter, we were listening to him uh, talk to the community as he called them to stewardship. Meaning, hey, this is ours now. We need to take good care of this. And he encouraged and exhorted that community to take ownership of this new water kiosk. And he said, if anything goes wrong with it, we are not waiting from our friends from America to come over and bail us out. It's our responsibility. This is a gift from God. And now it is our responsibility to take care of it. As he called them all to action. And it was so Amazing to listen to that because I knew that our efforts in helping to bring them that source would be an ongoing asset to that community. Which really brings it home. This is not a handout. This is a hand up. They now have an asset that will, will bless the lives of those people for generations to come. And it's a game changer when we give time back to the women and clean water to the whole community. Amazing. Um, I went over there to serve, okay? I actually think that I was served more than what I provided there. As my eyes were open to different things that I, I really had no experience with prior to this. Incredible to get involved with uh, an organization that understands how to really help people and that is humble enough to receive what they have to offer. The richness of that culture. There's one other gift I wanted to share with you, and it's implied in the title of today's episode. My Maasai name is Tirishe. I got that from a tribal elder who was invited to a special ceremony where they they slaughtered a goat and everything. I mean, these warriors were, were preparing it and getting it just right for those of us in our volunteer group who had never been there before. There were three of us. 
who had never been to Kenya before. We'd never been on the Maasai Mara. And out of both gratitude and respect, they gave us all a Maasai name. My daughter already had her Maasai name. And her name is Nasha, which means rain. Uh, one who brings abundance and joy. Um, and so Nasha is the name that she got. Some of the warriors had been calling me Baba Nasha, which means the father of Nasha, uh, because I'm older than they are. The average lifespan of people in this, this Maasai village is in the 40s, maybe up to the 50s by now with the increased nutrition. But I'm older than all these guys. And so they didn't feel comfortable calling me by my first name. They call me instead the father of Nasha. So Baba Nasha was my first Maasai name. But in this naming ceremony, this tribal elder in conference with some of the warriors that were present decided to call me Tirishe. And he, he gave me that name along with a Maasai blessing. Uh, and the interpreter that was there explained to me the meaning of the name is pillar, like a pillar of a community or a champion of families. And I was so grateful to receive that name as it really resonates with me that that's what I'm all about, is being a strength to families and communities. Saving and enriching key relationships is what I'm all about. And in my brief interactions with the Maasai people, they saw that and granted me that name, Tireshe. And so I, I receive it gratefully and with, with humility and also honor that uh, they would share that with me. I hope that this has resonated with you at some level. If you want to go to Kenya, go with 100 humanitarians. Go look it up. 100, the number, humanitarians, the word, dot, org, and uh, see what they're doing. There's some stories there of the people and the families who are um, really making a difference on the ground in Kenya, and this is just such a small part of the world, but so many great examples of the principles that will really help us to live on purpose. I think it's time now to go do exactly that. Let's go live on purpose. Did you get what you came for? Give yourself the gift of taking real action on what you realized today. Please share this episode with someone you know would value it. And leave us a rating, too. It's time now to live on purpose. <laughs>